gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Hey again, welcome everybody to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 189. And uh, yeah, last week we Frankenstein so many pieces of news and items and reviews and interviews. And today we are going to sit back, relax and get entertained uh, our guest today is a, a a guy who I've known as an actor, you know, for so much of my life, and yet we we connected because of a documentary that he makes, and he makes a lot of documentaries, including he's won Academy Awards for winning for for documentaries. Um, he has been an actor, he's been a writer, a producer, a director, and uh, he was in Short Circuit. He was in one of my favorite shows of all time, Early Edition. And he is now producing films that I actually watch and, and, and support. Uh, Fisher Stevens is here on the podcast. Fisher, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking some time out. I know you're quarantined, so it's not like you had a busy travel schedule. Yeah. Well, I do have a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and we are all at home. So there, there is that. Um, but otherwise, no, it's not like I got anywhere to be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I trust, though, that you're, you're safe. I I feel this responsibility because if you know you don't want to take this too seriously, and I don't want to do the whole episode on coronavirus, but I always want to make sure that people are healthy. And if you're doing this podcast, that you're okay and you're stable, and that you're handling this as best you possibly can. Yeah, I'm really grateful. I'm I'm happy. I'm a white privileged person who is lucky <laughs> enough not to have to work uh, at a hospital or work in a the warehouse right now and uh or drive a taxi so i'm lucky um i i would like you know i am looking forward to getting back to doing some of the things we used to do but I, I, this has been an interesting time and actually i think it's been a really uh i think it's going to be a good time and when we look back and see what's happening with racial justice now and people are quarantined so they actually have to pay attention to stuff that we've been avoiding frankly, avoiding paying attention to for quite some time. So I'm looking at it like hopefully a lot of good things are going to come out of this virus. Um, other than that, I, I feel terrible about everyone who's died and I've lost a couple friends too, which is horrible. But on the flip side, you know, it's, it's in the end, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we, we see some real changes in this country. You know, and it's it's affected my my sports career. Obviously, I'm a sportscaster by trade, and you know there, there hasn't been sports for a long time, and we're supposedly getting it getting it back. And you know, one of the things I've I've applauded are the people and the companies that have taken advantage of the time and not just wallowed in it. Um, the, the examples, you know, there are comic cons that have been canceled, and yet now they're doing virtual comic cons. And mm. you know, Ford, you know, realized nobody was driving, so they st stopped making cars. 
let's go make ventilators. And they made ventilators. And there's right. people who are taking advantage. And I feel for all the people who are forced out of their jobs, but the people who have been able to reinvent themselves, I really give credit to. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, life is a funny thing and curveballs are thrown at people all the time. And this is, this, I mean, look, we're living in a historic moment, all of us. So <laughs> I think we're all figuring, figuring out what, what, what we could do and how we can make the most of it, you know? Well, so. it, it, it's very funny because there are certain times over the history of this podcast that I've interviewed people that I, you know, watched my whole life. And I play my favorites because this is my podcast and I'll do whatever I want. Do mm-hmm. you remember, and I don't expect you to, so I'd be surprised if you do, the embarrassing thing I did when I met you at the United Nations at a Formula E event. Do you remember the embarrassing thing that the guys at Formula E will not let me live down? Um, did you come on to me? No, I didn't come on to you. But okay, I'm joking. We were down, we were down, uh, we were downstairs from where the main reception and you were looking for the men's room. And it was obvious that you were looking for the men's room. And I walked over and you just walked over to me. And I had met you before because the right. Formula E people introduced us. Right. And right. I said, you're looking for the men's room. And you go, how did I know that? And I said, oh, I got tomorrow's news today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Early I edition. am that dorky. Early I had edition. to do it. I had yeah, to do it. Come remember on. Remember those days when, uh, when you could, you know, actually when there were events at the UN? <laughs> yeah, I do. That was a really cool event, but that's not what, what, I, what I wanted to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. That is by a million. One of my, that's probably one of my top 10 shows. That show introduced wonder. And that was, that was one of the things that was unique for a creative mind such as me. I was not a writer. I'm not a, I'm not a filmmaker, but I can tell when something can get my brain going. Quantum Leap, Knight Rider early edition and the the idea that a guy could get tomorrow's news and the id of the whole thing is chuck who you play because he's doing what so many people would have done you get the news and you want to bet on things and you want to take advantage and get personal gain and and you are the everyman you're every person watching that show and i just thought it was brilliant oh great thank you chicago Yes, Chicago. So, t- so shot in Chicago. Yeah. Did you think it was when you first found out about it? Did you think it was hokey? Did did you and 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 Kyle wow. and and all the folks that, that that worked with that show? Did you recognize? Because I would think, you know, in today's world, well, you can make a Batwoman good. show. Back then, sci-fi no. wasn't the thing, you know. Yeah, I thought it was hokey back then. And I, I complained quite a bit and Kyle had to put up with my bitching. Um, <laughs> uh, the best, the, the best thing for me was I had season tickets to Jordan's last two years. So it was, oh, right. awesome. so I got to watch him. I was, I, I lived in Chicago till I was about 11, moved to New York when I was 12. Okay. And um, I stayed loyal to all the Chicago teams. And uh, so that was amazing so that I got to go to a lot of games and uh and it yeah no it was cool it was great working in chicago and and that show i i should have appreciated it more there were mo- there were there were episodes i loved doing and episodes i was like oh this is okay but there were a lot of episodes i thought were brilliant really really well written and i had a great time doing there was a it, it was it was one of those things and it was really funny because we had steve gutenberg on this show about two months ago and everybody wanted it was a live thing at a comic-con and everybody wanted me to obviously talk about mahoney and all I wanted to talk about was diner. And it was, it's just right, right. Uh, when it, when, when you love that diner is a oh, diner. Is a classic. 
Oh my God, classic. It's, it's, it's my all-time favorite movie. Like, all-time, if there's one movie I'm taking to the island, that's, that's the one. That, that's, a, that's a great, great movie. Um, and then, of course, uh, I, would, I would get my, my, my dance card uh, taken away if I don't ask you, how did you get attached to Tiger King? Yeah, well, again, like the coronavirus, you know, you talk about weird Benefits. like bottle. Yeah, I mean, so I, uh, Eric Good, who was the one of the two directors of Tiger King, and I have been friends for since I was a teenager trying to sneak into his nightclubs uh, area because he was a nightclub entrepreneur. We stayed good friends. I made the cove. He contacted me and said, look, I, I have a turtle conservancy. Eric's other passion is is reptiles and turtles in particular. He runs the Turtle Conservancy in Ojai. And he said, I have all this footage that I'd love to show you. And that footage was Eric going into these underground markets um, where some people think the coronavirus started, you know, where, where yes. you can see exotic animals yeah. um, where in Asia and people eat them. Yep. And uh, he, so it started as that journey. And that journey, I entered introduced him to someone he'd already known, but I was making films with Rebecca Chaiklin. And I said, Rebecca should help figure out what we do with this. And through that seven year odyssey, they met Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. And it it, it morphed <laughs> into uh, Tiger King. And I was, you know, I wasn't on the shoots, um, but I was in the edit quite a bit. And I was working with Eric on and off, you know, to figure out what kind of series, I mean, it was supposed to be in a show about conservation. And once you met, <laughs> once we met Joe Exotic and you saw him and Carol, and then while they're filming, you know, Joe supposedly tried to kill Carol and goes, I mean, that all happened while, while, while we were filming him. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't filming with Rebecca and Eric were, and uh, yeah. And then it's just like one of those lightning in the bottle kind of things. Um, so who and knows? It's still going on. You know, Carol got Joe Zoo and then Carol's, <laughs> you know, they're looking into her. Did she, was she involved with her husband's murder? You know, I mean, there's this, this movie spurned many fictional series. It's spurned many more doc series. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenon, you know. We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice, but first I have to tell you about another podcast I do. And yeah, we talk about it from time to time. But anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. And they've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish geography. Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about 
cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. You know, you mentioned lightning in a bottle, like, and it's not to demean it, but it came out literally right as the stay-at-home order came. Yeah, like, no. People it, are telling you, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, movie theaters right. are closed, everything's closed, but here's something, and Netflix is like, here, this is on. <laughs> yeah. We were like, oh, what? For sure. It's so weird because we had a delivery date for Netflix, and we almost didn't make that date, and had we you know, messed around and been a month behind, we wouldn't have been finished because we've been quarantined. Mm. So we just was the, talk about timing, you know, timing is everything. It's, I say timing is everything when, you know, you, when you meet your, your, your better half, you know, timing is, timing is everything, fate. And it's just weird that this happened when it did. And uh, yeah. And then I, I, I also exec produced this uh, with my uh, co-director of, of and we go green a, a series on Ulysses S Grant for History Channel and that also like broke every record of History Channels. Oh wow! Home, and it's yeah, also yeah. it's a great piece. But um, but yeah, this is the time to release content on uh, you know, on one of the streamers for sure. Right I, I, on the, on the services and you know, there's been you know controversy about that about you know Wonder Woman 1984 and Black Widow and and movies that you know the people who listen to this podcast are all. What are they over. saying about Wonder Woman now? Well, they're they're insisting it's a theater. They're insisting right. it's going to the theater, and I understand both logics. Um, I understand that you know when they released Trolls, they made a nice, decent amount of money. It's a fraction of what they would have made, and there's nothing you can do about that. Well, and in- well, well you know, uh, that's not fully true, and I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because uh, Justin, I, I I just worked with Justin Timberlake, and we spent a lot of time on the phone in this. I love period. the names that you are bringing into this. Um, <laughs> but if you think about it, yeah, they made the they the the work the the box office was a fraction. But remember, the cinema, the theater chains take from forty to sixty percent, or forty to fifty percent of the upside, right? Right. As opposed to when you release it on uh, digital, a streamer, yeah, a streamer. So that now it sucks for the movie theater chains, and I'm 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 desperate to go see a movie in a cinema again. But actually, when you look at the numbers, it's not that different because mm-hmm. the you know let's say it grossed uh, two hundred million dollars in the cinemas, only a hundred million of that goes to the the film to the film, and I'm not sure what a streamer takes, but it ain't forty or fifty percent or sixty percent. Right, right. So right. I think Trolls did quite well as a as a template but do you get the sense that that's that trend is going to happen like there's been all this talk about you know the award films and you know being in sag after i always get that list of the these are the films that are being nominated and half of those films you wonder what movie theater is airing them like yes you live in new york so new york city sometimes has those kind of art house kind of theaters 
But in reality, you know, a lot of people in the mass audience don't see those and that the movie theaters are reserved for the the, the Avengers and, and, and things like Star yeah, Wars. For um, sure. Do you see that as being a trend? Do you think that's where it's headed? I, I, I mean, I, I'm, uh, my, my father-in-law is in the movie theater business, so I, I don't want to, Okay. <laughs> I, I'm really depressed about it and I, I love going to cinemas and, you know, and we go green, um, the movie I just made. I mean, yeah. when, when you see that in a screening room, I mean, that thing will blow your socks off with the sound and, you know, oh, the so cool. and, um, it's, it's sad because we make movies to be seen in cinemas. But I don't see it coming back in a strong way um, for a while. Um, I know the director of Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, I, yep. I know she made that movie for the big screen, and I saw the the other one on the big screen. And it was amazing, you know, to see Wonder Woman big like that. The the movie, and I understand what she's probably and the studio they're probably holding firm because um, those movies are just such experiences on the big screen. Sure. But I think a lot of these art house films can be seen streamed and they're okay, you know? But it's actually one of the most fun episodes we did of this podcast a few years ago when the trailer for that Wonder Woman film came out because Chris Pine is in it. And I'm not spoiling anything, but he dies at the end of the first film. <laughs> and we did a theory where we were reading through all the theories of how Chris Pine is in this film. So we've been waiting to answer a question. How the heck is Chris Pine in Wonder Woman 1984 and this coronavirus to just keep delaying it? And all I'm wondering is what it would do for the downloads of this podcast if they put that out on digital. Because if Wonder Woman 1984 comes out and we know the answer, well, then mm. the circle is complete. Like we can, we can finally put that to rest. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get that answer. Seems like that's that's the big that's the big. I don't know how they're going to keep that secret, but they're going to have to as long as possible. We uh we got we got together because of and we go green and uh, there's going to be next week if you subscribe to my sports with friends podcast. Uh, there is a a deep dive into this film uh, that we did with your your co-director Malcolm Venville, who was great uh, when when we have him on next week for for sports with friends, uh, but. You've been a, a, a producer and a director of documentaries for a while. You did Bright Lights, uh, the Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds story. Uh, you've directed uh, The Cove, which you won an Academy Award for. I, I directed Bright Lights, produced The Cove. Produced The Cove. Yeah. All right, I'm not, I'm not even taking that out. Um, but this idea that you were attracted to documentaries, uh, you know, we, well, my we, know, we, we know that the idea was, you, you, we know you as an actor, when wow. did this get in? When when did documentaries become such a big part of your life? Well, documentaries became part of my life because of sport. Um, I I started a company called Green Street Films years and years ago to make independent films, to direct, produce. I ended up only directing one for them, but produ we produced like 15 movies. And one of the films that came to us was a documentary on the New York Cosmos, the soccer team in New York. Once in, in a lifetime, yeah. Yep, I saw that. And my partner, I really wanted to invest our uh, our film fund in it. And my partner said, if you invest in this and it doesn't work, you have to make sure you finish it. So mm. sure enough, they delivered a really lousy uh, cut of this movie. It really sucked. 
And I couldn't believe it. I was so depressed because it was such a great story. You have Pele, you have Franz Beckenbauer, you have New York in the 70s. When I grew up, I moved to New York in 76. Gotcha. And uh, and and then I, I called the producer who had won the Oscar also for this movie One Day in September, which Spielberg actually based Munich on, you know, the movie Munich. Yes, yes. And John Batzik is his name, and he's very prolific. And I said, Batzik, this sucks, man. He's like, it's great. And I'm like, no. He's, I'm like, I'm like, you and me are finishing this, man. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna finish it. We got to find somebody, and we're gonna finish it. And I didn't know anything about documentaries. I'd never made one, and I started uh, finishing the film with Batzik, and um, I started interviewing. I got to go to Berlin and interview Franz Beckenbauer. I got to interview Carlos Alberto. I got to interview all these oh, cool. famous guys, and. Then um, this great editor, Paul Crowder, and this writer, Mark Monroe, they worked with me on it. And I just had the most amazing creative experience. And I have to say, unfortunately, it's not ESPN doesn't ever air it anymore. I don't know why they, they bought it. But I have to say, it's one of the coolest docs I've ever made. And it's, it's, it was wonderful. And then I, uh, I fell in love with the form. And then this guy I knew, Dan Cloris, saw it. And he's... He said, hey, man, I got this story about this couple in the Bronx in 1959. And, and this older dude was in love with his young secretary and he was yeah. married and he tried to, he tried to, you know, have an affair. They had an affair and he asked her to marry him. And she said, no. And he hired these guys to throw acid in her eyes and he blinded her and he made her hair fall out with acid. And then they got married and they're still married, man. And we can interview him and we can make a movie. And then we did, we made a movie called Crazy Love. Crazy Love, yeah. And, um, and that movie came out really, really, really well. And I just had the most, again, incredible experience making that film with Dan Cloris. And then Louis and Jim, Jim Clark, actually, the investor of The Cove saw it. And The Cove was a whole different movie then. It was like a bunch of footage. And they asked me to do The Cove. And it just, from there, you know, it just, uh, I've been making docs, you know, nonstop since, on and off between gigs, you know, or during gigs. Well, congratulations on that. On that, and um, uh, Dan Cloris, who is the architect of one of the all-time great ESPN Thirty for Thirties, uh, Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks. If you oh, ever yeah, seen really. that, when uh, when they find when Reggie Miller finds out that John Starks had his mom come to practice, and Reggie Miller goes, "He brought his mom. Oh my God, I could have used that." <laughs> like, <laughs> and Dan Cloris got it out of him, and it was it was it was it was priceless. Dan Cloris. Oh, that- brilliant movie and Dan did like a 20 hour basketball anthology on ESPN you know uh, it, 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 some magic. of those yes black magic that's right the mini yeah yeah um there's so John many great I, I get to narrate two hours of it. it's it's pretty it was awesome oh very nice very great. nice very nice before we get back to the show I just want to tell you about a very cool announcement that was recently made about the hall of justice we are so excited that this show is now available to stream free on Spotify. Spotify, folks, that is the what the young kids are using. Spotify is something my kids use. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's, it's a downloadable app. You can use Spotify on any device, iPhone, Samsung, Android, whatever you want to do. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to... Music, you can listen to Prince, you can listen to superhero songs, you know, the kind of stuff I listen to, and then switch right over to this podcast in the very same app. 
Just search for The Hall of Justice on Spotify and start listening free. It's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. We're excited that there are new listeners that are going to find this show, and I'm so grateful for everybody that subscribes, listens, rates, and reviews. The Hall of Justice is now on Spotify. Now back to the show. Justice and peace for all mankind. Where does acting sit in in your mind? Is it something that you still, um, you know, still want to do? Is it still something because you've got, you seem to be so excited about when you talk about these films because you know the stories behind them and the, the things behind them, and it seems like your enthusiasm is in this this realm. And these films are brilliant. So you're making all these movies. What about your idea and your career and the stuff that you do on camera? Um. Well, I, uh, I, I actually am acting, and, and because of the coronavirus, I'm home, but I signed a contract to act on a series on HBO, uh, which I did five episodes of last year. It's called Succession. Oh, okay. Um, so I was, you know, I wasn't really looking for an acting gig permanent, you know, like that, or, or a series gig, but right, right. after working on that show, um, working with those actors, working with those filmmakers the showrunners the directors i just was like this is a rare this is a once in a lifetime this show is beautiful these people are amazing um so i i you know i'm waiting to see what's going on with that right um but i'm juggling it you know i i just directed justin timberlake in a feature film where he plays he actually plays an ex uh high school football star who gets a scholarship to LSU and gets injured and gets into all kinds of trouble and ends up going to jail. And he comes out of jail 12 years later in Louisiana and um, ends up uh, basically it's a story of him and a seven year old boy. Who's uh, a bit gender fluid gender. I would say, you know, a boy is very feminine and gets bullied. Mm. and but it's not soft this is this is palmer yeah this is palmer it's not a soft movie it's like a very i would say uh realistic and kind of very poignant and up-to-date film but it's not soft and justin i think turns in one of the best performances of his career and i think he's gonna really blow people's minds uh, as will this boy named Ryder allen the seven-year-old boy and um it's a, I'm really excited about it. We just finishing it now. <clears throat> We've been finishing it online, um, waiting to kind of get into a studio to do a proper mix, but um, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, to go back, uh, you know, it's funny. I mentioned Steve Gutenberg and you were in a movie with Steve Gutenberg. Uh, you were in Short Circuit and there yeah. are so many people Short Circuit and of course Short Circuit 2 um these classic films um what do you think of when you look back at those films and is this something that you know do you get approached in this much that 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 people still know you from these films and how gorgeous is ali sheedy but that's a separate car i can take that out (laughs) uh she she was beautiful then i haven't seen her a long time she was you know she was gorgeous she was also a cool beautiful woman beautiful inside um you know, it's interesting. Uh, I get a lot. I got a lot of heat for later 
<laughs> recently for doing that movie. Um, I you wondered. Aziz Ansari like wrote an op-ed about it and right. kind of called me out and, you know, but really it was, you know, look, look, look how the world changes. Right. And in today's world, I, would I do that part? There's no way that part right. is, it's, uh, the eighties were, was a different time. I was a 21 year old actor looking for a job and, uh, they cast me. So what am I going to do? Say no. I mean, that's what we do. We train and, right. uh, but it was, again, it was a great experience at the time. And we did a second one. And um, would I do it again today? No way. <laughs> no way. No. You can't. That that movie is, you know, I, I, I have a very good friend of mine who's from, you know, his, his father's from India. And he, uh, I met him about seven or eight years ago, but he'd always like thought, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, he, he, he confronted me about it. When he met me, he was like, really? Yeah, dude. He's like, you know, and then I've, I've met a lot of other, and anyway, we joke about it, but then I met a lot of other East Indians who were like, Hey man, you were my favorite actor, <laughs> my favorite Indian actor, even though you're not Indian, but so it's, it's, it's complicated. Um, it's a complicated thing. And, and those movies, you know, they, they are really, uh, Listen, for me as an actor, they were great to do. And the weirdest thing was, I uh, I got ca- I got offers to do all kinds of nationalities other than <laughs> for a while. And it's it, and man, the world has changed, you know. So I'm glad the world has changed, and the world is in a better place. But you know, I did what I did, and those movies uh, will will live on. No, and I, I, I wasn't insinuating anything other than, yes, I agree. You can't make those films. What, what's your thought? I'm going off on a tangent here. Uh, HBO Max this week. If you're listening to this, by the way, in the future, uh, tell me how the flying car is and tell us how we get out of uh, the coronavirus. Um, but if you're listening to this when it's released, HBO Max uh, this week uh, pulled Gone with the Wind uh, because of insensitivity. And I, I just wonder about these things. And wow. I don't think anybody looks at All in the Family and say, yeah, we can make a show just like that today. But I mean, these things are, are, are classics. And yet I don't look at them and say, God, you couldn't make that today. OK, you can't remake Short Circuit. I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to appreciate that movie when it was made. Yeah, that's interesting about Gone with the Wind. Um, wow. I, I, you know what? I. My son is six, and uh, and when he was in, you know, it was Columbus Day, and and his and he he has a his teacher's a nun, and she's like, you know, Columbus did some very bad things. <laughs> Columbus yeah. murdered and pillaged some Native Americans in our land, yeah. and and it's incredible that that's what he's learning at six and how great it is. When I was six, you know, Columbus was a hero. Sure. And, and they weren't the native Americans. They was the pilgrims <laughs> and the Indians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, they've gotten a bad, bad, bad deal, man. And, <laughs> yeah. and my son gets it and he's six. So wow. my son is getting, you know, my son wanted to go protest with me. Um, and I would have taken him, but <laughs> my neighborhood was a little violent the first couple nights, but yeah, yeah. you know, this this young generation it, it's it's hopefully i'm hoping that you know it's going to be a beautiful beautiful place when my kid and these these young kids who understand 
are going to hopefully have more control and 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 have responsible you know be responsible for for changing the 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 country and the world so i'm hopeful but <laughs> we've come a long way you know but the gone with the wind thing is really crazy you know listen they're taking down the confederate soldiers is is you know some people take offense to it but like we don't why do we make statues for losers man they lost they lost they lost yeah. the damn war i, I don't lost. i don't understand the loyalty and, i and they were defending, i don't they're defending something that's in un, indefensible you know they're, they're i don't know man it's we we're we are living in an incredible moment in uh in history right now so uh it's it, let's it's hope it gets better seth let's hope it, um, i'm hopeful i'm hopeful i had a uh, an opportunity uh, on a show i did um recently uh, we interviewed the daughter of eric garner uh emerald mm -hmm. garner and she was on sports with friend because uh, we took that audio and i was shaken like literally to the core like you know, my whole thing when I I didn't go to the protest because of social distancing, I, I just thought where it wasn't violent where I was in New Jersey, but everyone was close to everybody. And I said, you know what, mm -hmm. we've been we've been hanging in this thing for 10, 11, 12 weeks. I'm not blowing it because of of that. And what I wanted to do was I took the audio when we talked to Emerald Garner and we had her on the, the show I did. Uh, we, I, I made sure we put it on Sports with Friends. And I thought of that at the time because I want more people to hear that. I want, I want white people to hear it. I want Asian people to hear it. I want every race and every background. And I'd love international people because I know there's people all over the world that listen to these shows. And I hope for that. I hope that the education, because you know, there's one thing for the people who knew this before George Floyd, but after, before George Floyd, did a lot of white people know? And those are the people I want to reach because that's well, how you fight racism. Yeah, but I got to say, like, I've known and I i mean, I, I can remember like yesterday when I saw Eric Garner's video, I was like, oh, we, this has got to stop. How could they? Yeah. And then I remember that Pat, I think his name is Pat Lynch, the head of the Police Benevolent Association, after five years later, finally de Blasio kicks that cop off the force and Lynch gives de Blasio shit. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then you realize four or five years have gone by and what have I done? What have me, Mr. White liberal done? You yeah. know, I haven't done shit. And I think, you know, because of Corona, because we're all here, because we can't shop and I can't go do my, my little bullshit life. I think finally this stuff is going to catch and things are going to change, hopefully. But it takes people like you and me and people who are compassionate and understand, but to actually try to do stuff and push change and, you know, try to keep doing our, our part, which is not, which is, you know, getting the word out and taking responsibility and, you know, whatever that is, putting stuff on your show, me protesting, me putting stuff on social media, me trying to push change the way that we, we treat uh, black and brown communities in my, in my, in my, my community, you know? So anyway, it's, uh, this coronavirus, that's what I started to say earlier. There's yeah. some good things coming out of it. Yeah, um, no, th th there is. I can, I can segue this. This is a, this is a, a stretch of a segue, but you were on the night of, and that's yeah. a wonderful, uh, a piece of work about minorities and, 
you know, the kid is accused of murdering the girl. And it was it was very much like cereal. It felt a lot like cereal. And uh, you, what, t- tell me a little bit about that experience. Well, one of the greatest screenwriters and a great director in of my generation and my he's you know he's a little older than me but he's a he's a hero of mine is steve zalian he wrote schindler's list he wrote right. uh, moneyball he you know he, i could go on and on he's directed a great movie bobby fisher and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. zalian and i became friends we met at a film festival and he had been telling me about this show and um I read some of the script and he was going to direct it. And he just said, Hey man, I got this funny role. He's a, you know, he's a pharmacist and selling Totoro is psoriasis medicine. And uh, I, I, I didn't read all of it at the time. Cause it was, a, you know, it's many episodes and right vibe on the set was so beautiful. And like the, the you just knew that they were making something special because I only it's worked great. It's really good. all the episodes. Yeah. And, um, that show is deep, you know, that's a powerful piece and um, it's well done. And the actor uh, Riz Ahmed and, and, and Totoro are just like magical and Bill Camp and man, Bill Camp we had on the podcast because he on the sports podcast, because he narrated the NHL 24 uh, seven documentaries that mm. were made by uh, Ross Greenberg. Okay. And Bill yeah, Camp. Bill in, Camp. Uh, I was in 12th night in, uh, in Central Park. Uh, I was Andrew Aguecheek and Bill Camp was like, he had a small role back in 1989. I remember him. And we're doing this virtually, but that he and I met at a, at a lounge in New York city and we recorded the podcast there. And that was my idea when I knew that you lived in New York city and that was all pre coronavirus. So that, that, that's how, that's how that goes. Um, I don't, I, I, like I said, you've been in so many things. It's always sunny in Philadelphia um, uh, um, uh, Californication. You've been in so many uh, of, of not just my favorites, but but the listeners who listen to this podcast. But there's one that I have to ask you, and I can't let you go without it because they will literally come after me on social media. Uh, can we talk about you being the guy that everybody hates on Friends? Yeah, well, that was my first uh, experience doing television like uh, a live sitcom in front of an audience and um i wow. uh i i'd never done it before and I, I was like a new york actor and i'd done theater and so i showed up to california learn and i had learned the script because i didn't know that like you they would rewrite your part and i showed up like really like okay i know my lines and then they I get to California and they rewrote everything. And I was really pissed off because I didn't understand. And I think I was a bit of a jerk probably to those actors. I didn't know any of them um, at all. And uh, and when you did this, was the show a hit already? No, no. The show was kind of, I think I was on the eighth episode. Right. Um, it was, yeah, it was doing really well. But yeah, I, I guess it no was. No one a- knew it was going to have a 10 year shelf life. No. No, no. And I was kind of an asshole, I have to say. I wasn't very nice to them, and I I didn't really get it. And uh, I was like, Jesus, guys. I mean, and then they gave me these some new lines, and I was like, this is really not what I signed up for. Because mm. I didn't get it. And I was, I, I think at the time, I was just, whatever, an arrogant New York theater actor. And I think you could, 
you know, I, I remember seeing those, some of those actors again. And I, I remember they looked at me with a bit of disdain and looked at me like I was a kind of jerk. Um, so, uh, it was a weird experience. And then, and then like cut to like, you know, the thing comes on the air and, uh, that <laughs> episode, and then I get stopped everywhere I go for that stupid thing. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, and I'm like, well, I should have done more of these. I shouldn't have been such a jerk. Maybe they would have had me back, but you know, they didn't want me back. But on the heels of that, the amount of resurgence that show has seen since Netflix. I mean, now I know it's on HBO max, but when that thing came on Netflix and you know, I have an 11 year old kid who saw one of them and I think we would just have it on just to, to go to sleep to, you know, like, you know, it was on WPIX at night and my 11 year old <laughs> fell in love with that show and she's binge watched the whole thing. And yeah. I, and, and she's not the, it's that's not unique. I mean, there are so many people friends was the, the highest, viewed thing on netflix for three years running and you know you I talk think, about yeah. things you couldn't remake you wouldn't remake friends now no, no i think right right well there's been there was a lot of discussion on the internet about that too right um with david schwimmer and um and the irony the other thing that happened which was really crazy um is so i i lived <laughs> and this is the other reason i really didn't like friends is my street in New York City happened to be the set, the exterior of the coffee. <laughs> um, and hilarious. we would have tour buses coming through. Because oh. <laughs> uh, it was also where a lot of Sex in the City was shot. But anyway, it was a nightmare. I, uh, friends lit, haunted me forever. Anyway, I moved to so Brooklyn. Funny. Right, so that, that you live in Brooklyn now? That's yeah, cool. Yeah. That, that that's cool. The um yeah, I I always find that it's it's always weird what hits. Like you mentioned Tiger King. Um hopefully and we go green, you know, goes into that that level. And I think sports fans are really going to dig and we go green. Um I have every anytime I've explained Formula E to people, um all I say to them and I you know, I'm a I'm a big Prince fan, and I always say about and 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 I use this analogy for the NHL. All I say is, check it out, look at look at it, and then look me in the eye and tell me it sucks. And I don't think anybody can see Formula E and and and, and embrace themselves and engross in one race. Just watch one race, and you'll fall in love with it because right. it is really gripping. Great. No, I loved it. I, I, that was a great film to be part of, and. Yeah, I hope, you know, I hope people are home and they watch it cuz uh it'll keep you entertained for sure. Yeah, for and sure. it's a, it's available on Hulu, which uh I think I think at least in America and uh it it's it's really neat. And uh like I said, next week on Sports with Friends, we're going to do a deep dive on on that. Uh what's your philosophy as we wrap this up? What's your philosophy on social media? Do you embrace it? Do you hate it? Is it a cesspool? What do you, do you have I an agenda? Yeah, I think all of the above. I mean, I think Trump has soiled social media. I think Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is a is an evil, evil uh, kind of non-human. He um, <laughs> doesn't have any compassion for humans like Trump. They both lack compassion, and they there's no better way to spread lies and hate than on social media. So in that sense, it's terrible. In a good sense, look at George Floyd. Look at look at filming what filming these brutalities have done is, is it's brought to light 
the, the problems that we've had. So it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know? Um, I'm just finally learning how to use it. I've, I mean, I, for political reasons and for publicity reasons and to get messages out, I'm slowly, I've never been really fully embraced it. And I'm also just too busy. Um, but I, I do think it is a double-edged sword. And I think it's great that Jack Dorsey's taken Trump on with Twitter for all those lies. You know, Trump's done 20,000 lies so far. They've counted today, like 20,000 lies while in office. I mean, that's, that's incredible for, <laughs> I think, I mean, it's nuts. But the fact that Zuckerberg, I like when people, I like when people, when he writes uh, Law and Order, he does it like every day, and I don't follow Donald Trump. I, I've made well, no secret about that. The, he's a big fan of the show, obviously. He but, loves but, show. but but people have been retweeting him and putting their favorite sitcoms, like Cagney and Lacey and uh, okay. Grace and Frankie. That's and nice. so I, somebody said to me, "Are you going to do it?" And I so I did the other day. Uh, they you know he wrote Law and Order, and I retweeted it, and I said Knight Rider, and I go, you know, this is fun. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about I made a film on Trump on Netflix called The Confidence Man. It's episode six of Dirty Money first season. And I've known he's a con man. You know, I've known him in New York. I'm a New Yorker. We all know Trump is just a full of shit human being and always has been all about Donald Trump. And the fact that America's bought in and I understand there's a lot of people out there who are angry, who feel disenfranchised. There's a lot of people that he taps into because of his, you know, if you want to call it, he, he's a showman, he's an entertainer, and he makes people believe things. And that's his gift. And he is gifted. Um, it's just unfortunate that he's also a, a narcissist. And uh, he's, um, he will bring everybody down with him as my, as my episode in on Netflix proves he will bring people down at no expense, you know, and you, and I spoke before the show started that he's yeah. he's hurt many people, many people, and and I interviewed those people on my on my uh, in my doc, and um, it's just a shame that f- there's thirty to forty percent of America just believes his bullshit, and it's 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 really a shame. And I understand people are hurting, and you know they 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 give him credit for boom, the booming economy, but it's a false economy, and you know I'm I'm just I just pray that we get him out of our lives because he's a hardcore fascist. And, you know, there's a lot of people that want a fascist as a president. And I understand, you know, anyway, if you look at, if you look at the history of these countries, you know, this next year, this, these next months are really scary. You know, it's really going to be a time we we've got to step up and keep fighting. And uh, he doesn't care about you or me or anybody but himself. So I just hope everybody remembers that. It's pretty wild, though. He's having uh, 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 rallies, and I think Joe Biden's concerned about that. Because, and I'm not—it's not—it's not a question of taking a side. It's just I'm not sure people should be gathering like that. If if you're not allowing people in baseball stadiums, then why are you letting them go to Trump rallies? Well, you saw Mike Pence had to erase his tweet today. He he took a picture uh, to start the campaign where Mike Pence is alone behind a plastic. Uh, kind of shield, basically. And there are like a 100 campaign workers bunched up next to each other with no mask. So Pence is protected and these 100 people are not. We're going to go work for the president and Pence. (laughs) Um, Or uh, Fredo, as I call Pence. But anyway, um, that, yeah. Well, well, let's see, man. We just have to all kind of get out there and vote and hope your vote counts because that's another thing they're trying to do is repress the vote. If you saw in Georgia, 
what happened yesterday and the day or the day before yesterday on Tuesday. We got a lot. We got a or, lot of. Or last yeah. week when 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 because this podcast is coming out next week. So uh, you week. saw what happened last last Tuesday in Georgia. You know, so uh, a, a state run by a corrupt governor and a corrupt uh, administration running that state. You know, Brian Kemp basically disavowed all these votes to become the governor of Georgia. But anyway, let's not go. Let's go. Let's end on a high note. And let's end. Note. It's going to be a. This is all going to hopefully going to be a good time and uh we're going to all watch some great stuff and have time to spend with our kids hopefully and stay safe and uh keep social distancing and i'm going to keep protesting but uh from a distance with a mask <laughs> and uh and onward and upward and people will still find you as the guy from friends no matter what you accomplish what documentaries you make you're just all the right. guy the guy that everybody hated well you, you're probably not like me too much in succession either but let's see I'll check that out. I'll check that out. Fisher Stevens, thanks so much for 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 doing this. We really appreciate it. And uh, like I said to you off the air, I've been a, a fan of your of your work that I've seen. But since getting to know the films that you've made, I have a new appreciation of your work. And I really, really appreciate it. And good luck uh, with all your future success. And I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's stay in touch. And I, when, when, when you have got something to promote, let, let, let's get you back on the show. All right. Stay safe, Seth. See you later. Thank you. That's Fisher Stevens. Thank you so much, everyone. Please stay safe out there, but I understand why you're going out. I understand about the reunion. I get why they're reopening for some people. I understand when the numbers are down. I get it. When the numbers are up, please, I'm just asking you, stay safe. And for all the people that are still protesting, I applaud you. I'm asking you as well to stay safe. This is the Hall of Justice. We've got a fun one next week planned. It's not confirmed, so I'm not revealing it just yet. Hit me up on Twitter, and I'll DM you what I'm thinking. Believe it or not.